Grab this little thing here. Ah, yes. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning for sure. Absolutely. I hope, uh, I hope you got a chance to meet somebody maybe you didn't know uh, just a second ago. That's so important. We're going to talk more about that right now. I told you I was going to mention it again, but next week, next week we are having a cookout right after church. It's August already. Where has this year gone? It's insane. It will be Christmas tomorrow, so if you haven't got your shopping done yet, it is time to get started. So just in case... So I heard some awes there. No, I'm serious. Like, that's, that's how life works. Um, next week, here's the only thing I ask. Um, if you're able to bring food, just don't forget it, because we're going to be really hungry. Um, but there's time. Most of you live really close. So you can run home, go grab it, come back. That's perfectly fine. Uh, we would love that as well. If you've got any good yard games to bring with you that don't involve sharp objects, I'll throw that one thing in there. Um, Mark gets a little crazy with sharp objects. So we just don't want... No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, <laughs> we only might get hurt, uh, especially, I know we have some professional cornhole players here. You've watched the professional cornhole league on, on ESPN. So if you've got boards, bring some, because we don't have any here at the church. So we'll have to pretend if nobody brings any. And I'm really good at pretend cornhole. So just so you know, I, I'll dominate. That's every time. Every, it's a, it's a four-bagger, I think, is what they call it. Every time. Every time I, I throw it. Um, and if you've got one of those little pop-up tents, you know, that just spring up real quick, that would be awesome, too. A little extra shade, possibly. We don't know what the weather will be like next Sunday. I just know this Sunday is gorgeous if you haven't been outside. Oh, my goodness, it is so nice. Here's the thing. We desperately want to build the community, the body of Christ here, and grow it together. And in order to do that, we have to get to know each other. It is so easy to come in every week and to talk to the exact same people you know every week, or maybe even just your family every week. There's, there's folks that have been going here three, four, five years and don't know anybody else other than the people that they come with every Sunday. And that is just not the way God wants it. Here's the thing. God has brought so many unique people to us in this season, and he's going to continue to do that. We need to love them into our family. That's our goal here. And here's the thing. We need to get to know as many people as we can. Why? Because we are all in this life together, in this community together, and most most importantly, God has brought us together. And he has a reason for that. It was not coincidence. It wasn't an accident. He has done that on purpose. And so the better that we get to know each other, the better that we get to know the the other families here at Berea, the better that we get to know what each other does for a living, their, their careers, what they do, what they enjoy, their needs, their skills, their stories, the better we can unite to reach this community for Christ. But that won't happen until we really genuinely get to know one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Today is the final week uh, in this series, uh, Jesus Asked. Now, it's kind of interesting. I actually got this idea way back last spring, early on in the spring, and I was like, ah, I struggled, and I waited, and I waited, and then finally came time to make a decision. What are we going to do? And I was like, okay, God, we'll, we'll try this. And when I first started writing, I was like, ah, you don't know. I'm not sure how this is going to work. Is this going to... And I am so excited that I just continued to listen to God and, and follow it through because what he has done is incredible. 
At the very beginning, I shared with you the reality that most of these questions come directly from stories that a lot of us know. Not everybody, but a lot of know, people know these famous teachings of Jesus. They know the famous miracles or the famous parables. And Jesus often asks these questions as a part of these famous scenes. But the question gets overlooked because we focus on the healing or we focus on the parable. And that's not wrong. That's not bad at all. We should deeply look at those things. But when we look at the whole context, we look deeper into the text and we dig out and we pull out these very specific questions that Jesus asked. And then we realize that Jesus didn't accidentally ask these questions. He did it absolutely very intentionally. He had a purpose behind it. He, he might have been trying to draw something out of someone. He might have been trying to draw them closer to him. He might have been trying to reveal a very specific truth to the person that he was questioning, maybe trying to get them to think deeply when they weren't. He might have been challenging people in all kinds of different ways with those questions. And sometimes they knew the answer, right? Sometimes they could spout the answer right away, but they knew the answer, but they really didn't know the answer, if you know what I mean. In week three of this series, the legal expert was asked a question, and he knew the answer right off the bat. He knew what the scriptures said, but did he know what they meant? More importantly, was he willing to apply the truth of the scriptures to his very own life? See, that's what happens when you look deeper into those questions that Jesus asked. We're not reading anything into Scripture that's not already there. That's wrong. We shouldn't ever do that. We're simply looking at the question that Jesus asked, and we're imagining that he's looking us in the eye and asking us that same question. The context of the question is essential. If you remove the question and just put the book chapter verse there beside it with no context, the question is really quite worthless. Because where it's at allows us to know exactly what Jesus was asking and who he was talking about, why maybe he was asking that question, even potentially the answer that he was looking to receive. We can then take the question, if we look at the context, and we can look at it personally as if he's asking us. Now, as a side note, I'll mention this again at the end. I've created a little half sheet. I think it's neon green. They'll be sitting on the black tables as you leave the room. There's 35 more questions of Jesus on there. If you're wanting to do just a little short Bible study throughout the summer or over the next 35 months or so, well, hey, the month of August, um, here's there's the four, or some of the questions we used are on there, but some of them aren't. Um, it's out there. Now, here's the thing. The context isn't. Only thing there is the book, chapter, verse you'll find the question. So you got to read before and after. But if you want to pick one of those up on your way out, please do. I just want to say that right now in case I forget later because that could definitely happen. All right. So let's take a moment and let's just review the eight questions that we've already talked about very quickly. All right. The very last two questions tie perfectly into the two from last week. And so that's why I want to make sure to review this. The first question we asked was a really simple one. Maybe one of the most basic questions you could be asked. Do you believe? Do you believe? As Jesus talked with Nicodemus, the religious leader in John 3, Martha uh, in John 11, or the blind men in Matthew 9, every one of those were challenged to believe in different ways. Did they believe that Jesus was the Messiah? Did they believe that Jesus could, in fact, heal them? Did they believe that he was the Son of the living God? Now, Scripture records their answers, but the question for us is, still remains, do you believe? Have you made that confession of faith. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Have you made that confession? If you haven't yet, maybe today is the day. Amen. It could happen. That simply, that fast, the Spirit absolutely could reach it. The Spirit might right now be asking, well, do you believe? And you're thinking, well, do I believe? 
If you're wondering that right now, I can tell you which direction the Spirit is pushing you. <laughs> I'm just, I, won't, I won't reveal that to you, but I can tell you I'm pretty confident of that. Maybe you have some doubt. Maybe you're a lifelong believer, but recently especially you've been struggling with doubt in your, in your life. Maybe like the disciples in Matthew 14. So Jesus asks today the simple question, why do you doubt? <laughs> yes, he asked that. What's holding you back from full and complete belief, from fully trusting in our Lord and Savior today? Because if there are doubts, you know, you can come to him this very moment and you can confess those doubts to him. They're not too big. He can handle every single one of them. Lift up the prayer that we found in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. I do believe, but help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. It's the world in which we live. Have you ever reached out to Jesus in your life? Has his power, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, has it given you new life? The question that we looked at was in response to a desperate woman who believed that somehow, someway, Jesus could heal her if she only touched the hem of his garment. That's all that was required, she thought. And you know what? She was right. <laughs> she was right. Jesus said her tremendous faith is what actually made her well. But he didn't want to leave it at that, no. He wanted her story of his power at work in, his, in her life to be shared with everybody that was there on that day. So he asked a simple question, who touched me? Everybody around him thought he was being ridiculous because there were so many people pressing in all around, but Jesus stopped everyone and said, well, who touched me? He drew her out so that she could share her story. There is no way. You know, we've all read that story because immediately following, he goes to Jairus' house, he heals his daughter, raises her from the dead. Actually, it's a wonderful scene. But we forget about the moment where Jesus heals this woman. This woman shares this story with this multitudes that have gathered. Have you ever wondered what happened to all those people that heard her story? That day, you see, there is no way to know how many lives were changed because she was willing to step forward and share her story of what Jesus had done in her life. We'll never know this side of heaven. And you know what? There's no way to know how God will use your story to reach countless people in this very moment. If you are willing to step forward and share what God has done in your life, you never know who might be reach. So don't be afraid to step forward and do just that on a morning like this. Amen. If you've joined us today, something has you down. Something is holding you back in life. Something is causing depression, anxiety, fear, illness, any other multitude of problems that we could possibly face in this world. And there's a long, long list. Jesus has a simple question for us. Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? When he asked this question in John chapter 5, he's speaking to a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years, a man who was, had no hope of really ever being healed, who faces a daily battle to even meet his most basic needs. So Jesus asks him the question. Now, the man never verbally answers Jesus. In fact, the man that at that pool is surrounded by a, a great number of other people who need the healing of Jesus, but they don't even notice that he's there. Most of them probably don't even know who he is. They all want to get well, but they don't know to ask the very one who's in their presence who can give them everything they will ever need. See, we live in a world where some people simply really don't want to get well. It's true. Some people have made that choice, so they think. They continue to live their life in the struggles that dominate them. Some do it on purpose. Some do it because there doesn't seem to be another way for them. 
Some have lost all hope of anything ever changing in their life. So they just get by, not knowing that there is, in fact, a better way, that there is hope, that Jesus reaches out to every single one of us today and asks, do you want to get well? If you want to get well today, the Savior is waiting to heal you. (laughs) The Spirit is waiting to fill you. Allow Him to do that. The sixth question we looked at was in Mark chapter 8. As the disciples had seen so many incredible things that He has done, they've heard of, I never thought about this, The, the disciples, they heard the Word of God spoken by the Son of God. I'm just guessing it had a different ring to it (laughs) when Jesus spoke it. But you know what? They still didn't get it. They still didn't understand. As a matter of fact, he asked them, guys, do you still not understand what's going on here? What must I do? What must I show? What must I teach before you finally catch on to what's happening around here? You know, there's a lot of people in the world today, including believers, who fall into that very category. How can we still not understand? But Jesus doesn't look at us with with frustration or anger or anything like that. No, no, no. No, Jesus asks us that question, and he looks at us with compassion, and he says something to the effect that, you know what, that's okay. I'll show you the way. And then he'll say, you know what, I'll show you the way again and again, if necessary, And again, as we come to him, it's quite possible that he looks at us and he poses the question that was written to the, that was spoken to the teacher of the law in Luke chapter 10. What do the scriptures say? Have you looked? Have you checked it out to see what I've told you already? As we inquire of God, this is believers in particular, as we inquire of God, is he sending us into his word to discover the answers? Because they're there. Now, we might need some guidance. That's okay. It might take some work. That's okay. We might need some help understanding what his text is telling us. But are you and I willing to make the effort to go there and search? Are we willing to be here each week to be challenged by God's word? Are we willing to spend each time, time each and every day in his word, devoting ourselves, seeking understanding? Most importantly, are we willing to accept the teaching, even if it's hard, even if it's an opposition to the entire world around us. So what do the scriptures say? Now, those were some absolutely great questions all given to us by Jesus. Last week, of course, we switched gears and we we went to a couple of very personal questions that Jesus asked. The first one being, why are we so afraid? Now, that's a timely question in today's world There's so many things to fear in this world, and if you paid attention to the news this last week, you'll know those aren't going away anytime ever. That's the reality of it. Hopefully, everyone understands why. You and I, we've been reminded over the course of this last year of a couple things. First of all, how precious life is. We can't take a single moment for granted, folks. And also, how incredible the freedom that we have in this country is. We can't take that for granted either. How quickly all of these things can seemingly been taken from us. So as believers in this world, what is there to fear? Well, Matthew 8, the disciples feared for their lives. Why? Because this big storm had risen up. Even with the very creator of the universe in the boat with them, they were still afraid. 
It's no wonder that you and I fall prey to fear today. They were afraid and Jesus was sitting beside them in the boat. The reality is the devil hasn't changed. He's still prowling around like the hungry lion looking for someone to devour. And when you and I are afraid, guess what? We're easy targets. When we are away from the flock, from the body of Christ, from a group of believers somewhere, somehow, then we're easy pickings. For that lion that's looking for someone to devour, we have to rise above the fear that the world is constantly trying to force us into. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be smart. Doesn't mean we shouldn't protect ourselves. That's not it at all. We just have to rise above the fear that everyone else is experiencing alongside of us. Because if we don't, we run the risk of turning away from Jesus like so many did during his ministry. So many, in fact, that Jesus was prompted in Luke or John 6 to ask the question of the disciples, hey guys, um, everybody else is leaving, do you, you don't also want to leave, do you? And we asked you last week, will you speak up like Peter? Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> we know who you are. That confession of Peter leads us absolutely perfectly into the two questions of today. The first one is found in Matthew 16. So if you've got your Bible with you, great. You've got your app, great. You need a Bible, there's one under the seats in front of you unless you're in the front row. One of these days, I'll set some, some uh, Bibles in the front row so you have some too. I didn't even think about that. We could use the bigger ones that don't fit under the seats. We could do that. There's an idea. I, I got to use for those Bibles, sitting in my office now. The question in Matthew 16 is simply this. Who do you say that I am? If someone walked up to you on the street today as you're walking to lunch somewhere and says, hey, who's Jesus? How would you define him? How would you answer that question? Would you give him some of the names that are given to Jesus in the Word of God? Names like Messiah, Emmanuel, Redeemer, Savior, Lord. Those are great descriptions, and they're completely true. But if you were to use those words in the world today, they'll have no idea on earth what you're talking about. Now, they might recognize some of those words from a Christmas song, but they have no idea what they mean. (laughs) They have no idea how powerful Those words are when used in description of Jesus Christ. Would your description be a little more personal? Maybe you would say he's your friend, and you would go into a description of why he's your friend. How would you answer that question found in Matthew 16? We'll begin in verse 13. It says that Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, um... Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. See, Jesus knows that the disciples have been hanging out with people out in towns, and he's wondering, what are people saying about him? Of course, he knows, so he's curious to see if they'll tell him the truth. Now, for me, it's hard to imagine what the disciples heard. If people knew that they were disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, there was probably one answer that was given to them. But if they had no idea who these guys were, and they're just talking about Jesus, I can only imagine some of the responses that those disciples heard about who Jesus was. The reality is they give him these descriptions, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, all the safe ones, I'm sure, that they were told. Many of the people that they were talking with had seen the miracles of Jesus. And these were things that only a prophet could possibly do. Maybe some of them heard the teachings of Jesus and like, man, that sounds a lot like that crazy John guy. Out in the wilderness, those teachings are very familiar. Or maybe those sound like the teachings of the prophets of old, so maybe he's come back. 
to share with us more, or maybe he's come back to be the Messiah even. People use the descriptions of what they knew, or maybe even what they'd heard from other people. So how about today? Who do people say that Jesus is today? Well, first of all, I want to start with this. Most people don't know. Most people have no idea who Jesus is. If you were just ask random strangers on the street, a majority of them will not have a description of Jesus. They might say, well, he's like a religious person or something or something from a long time ago, but they will not be able to describe him. In 2020, there was a survey done called the theology or the state of theology. You can look it up. We're not going to go in depth in it. I'm just going to bring out two groups of people. Here's a couple of answers for who people say Jesus is today. 52% believe that he was a great teacher, great teacher, but not God. We could really stop there because no other answer really matters. Because <laughs> if over half the people don't believe that he was God, then that's where we start with everyone. It's teaching that he was God. Now, some people believe he was a good teacher, but they're unwilling to follow him or, or follow his teaching. Some people describe Jesus, yes, literally as a sinner, just like you and me. There's no way he could possibly be perfect and have never sinned. You see where we're at in the world today. Now, there's extreme views as well, both directions. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Those are just some of the common views that exist in our secular culture. In this passage, in Matthew, Jesus didn't ask this question to a group of strangers. He didn't ask this question to people who did not believe. He did not ask this question to people that were rebelling against him. No, no, no. He asked his very closest followers. He said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And of course, if you are familiar with the New Testament and particularly the apostles, then you know who spoke up first. Simon Peter. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And you know, I can pause right there because I can just imagine him saying, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and looking to John, yeah, 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 I got the right answer, everybody, woo go me. I can just see Peter like, yeah, I'm right, that's who, that's, mm-hmm. that's right. In John 6, 69, Peter says, we've come to believe that you and know that you are the Holy One. Yes, he is the Holy One, the Savior, the Redeemer, our Messiah, he is God Almighty. John 20, 28, Thomas, after seeing the risen Savior for the first time, confesses Jesus is his Lord and his God. Amen. John eleven twenty seven, 27, Martha states that he's both Messiah and Son of God. And even in Matthew 27, 54, the Roman soldiers who stood at the foot of the cross expressed their opinion. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely he was, I'm going to correct them just a little bit, surely he is the Son of God. Now he asks us today, who do you say that I am? Now the thing is, I can't tell you what to believe. Each and every one of us have to come to our own conclusion. But here's the good news. There's some great help available. You see, the Jesus that's described here in the text hasn't changed at all. (laughs) He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13 Eight. All we have to do is a little investigating and then be willing to believe. We don't have to define Jesus. He's already showed us. We just have to learn and share it with others. Now, why on earth is this question so important? Well, we have to know who Jesus is. Sounds kind of crazy. We have to know who Jesus is. How could we possibly tell someone else who he is, if we don't know ourselves? How could we become like him if we don't know anything about him? What he did, what he taught, who he was. 
how he showed us his love. And here's the really cool thing. If you're just beginning to learn about Jesus, who he is, how much he loves you, exactly what he did for you, then I cannot tell you how excited I am about what's coming. Hopefully you noticed on the way in there was a big bright new red banner, a new series we're starting later on in August over the book of Luke. I'm so excited as we get to begin this thorough investigation into Jesus and exactly who he was through the eyes of a man named Luke. I can't wait to share all of that with you. And this is the perfect time to invite someone else to join you. Someone maybe that's questioning everything. Someone maybe that doesn't know anything about who Jesus is, because we're going to start the very, 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 very beginning. Yes, the Christmas story, the very beginning of Jesus's life. Or maybe you know someone that's just struggling in life in general. The story of Christ will help them through this struggle for sure. So I say all of that to end with this final question in the series. And honestly, as I was pairing all of these things up, I didn't think this all the way through until we got to the end. I, I write these things several weeks in advance, but I just, I just grouped things up as I thought made sense, if you will. And then you get to the end, you realize, no, God grouped these things up the way he wanted us to do them. Because the final question is the most important one that we could ever be asked. You find it in John chapter 21. It's a very famous scene for those of you that know what happened after the resurrection. It's the incredible scene where Jesus pulls aside one of his disciples into a private conversation. This disciple had been the leader of the disciples. He was the one they all turned to. He was always the first to speak up, even when he was wrong. (laughs) He was the one that Jesus ultimately said, one day you're going to help me build my church here on this earth. But, But you see, this man had betrayed Jesus completely. Even after Jesus said, you're going to betray me, and he denied that by pledging his very own life that he would never betray Jesus, only to go on and betray Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Now everything has changed ever so slightly because that Jesus he betrayed that died is now alive again, and he's having a conversation with him. So the tables are completely turned. So Jesus, or so Peter should now, of course, just rise back to the top and lead all of the disciples once again, right? No. No, not, not, not quite time for that just yet. Peter knew what he'd done, even if no one else did. He knew that Jesus knew that he had done, and he wondered if Jesus was ever even going to have a purpose for him in this world ever again. And that's where you find the scene unfold in John 21, beginning in verse 15. It said, when they had finished eating, Simon, or John, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Well, Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? He answered, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Come on, Jesus. Okay, well, well take care of my sheep, will you, Pete? Third time, he, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then John records that this time it hurt. This time, some about this didn't ring. Come on, do you love me? You know all things, Jesus. You know that I love you. So Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. And do you love me three times, Jesus asked Peter. We'd like to believe that's to reinstate him for the three times that he denied him. Jesus never explicitly says that's why he asked, but we humans can figure that one out, I think. Maybe for the first time in your life, you feel as if today Jesus is reaching out to you and asking you that same question. Do you Love me. Here's what he's not asking. 
He's not asking, hey, do you know everything about me? Hey, do you have everything in your life kind of figured out and cleaned up and perfected? Because if that's the case, then, well, then do you love me? No, 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 no. Jesus looks at you today and simply asks, do you love me? What is your answer today? Will you say yes? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Will you allow him into your life to forgive you, to redeem you, or or buy you back, to give you hope in this life as well as an eternal life with him in heaven? He asks today, do you love me? Will you respond to that simple question? Or do you feel like Peter and you've completely blown it? You've messed up too bad. As if you believe there's no way God could ever love you and let you, let alone have a purpose for you in this life here on this earth. If that is you, if that is you today, and this could be someone in this room, it could be someone watching online, if that is you today, then you must know how much Jesus loves you today. As a matter of fact, He loves you as much today as He did the day that He created you. His love for you will never, ever change. He wants you back. He wants to reassure you of His love for you. All He asks is if you feel the same way. (laughs) Do you still love Jesus? Are you willing to follow Him? Do you love Jesus more than this world? Do you love Jesus more than money? What is it that you've placed between yourself and your life and your Savior? What is in the middle? Because here's what Jesus does. He looks past whatever you've placed there, and He looks directly at you, and He says, hey, do you love me more than Whatever that is, will you come forward today and confess that to Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, I love you more than that. Allow Jesus to remind you today of his love for you. But here's the end. If you're willing to confess your love for Jesus like Peter did, then make sure you don't miss the second part of the conversation each time. Because every time Peter replied, yep, Jesus, I love you, Jesus responded by asking Peter to act, to tend, to feed his sheep. You see, when you confess your love for Jesus, he will then in turn ask you to act on his behalf in this world in which we live. What is it that God is asking you today? You see, in a room like this, we've got people at all levels of their walk with Christ all levels. And so we've got to address the very basic one. Do you love Jesus? Yes? Great. Let's get wet. Let's do this thing. Let's accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time. Do you believe? Let's do it today. Why wait? Are you struggling with life, with problems, with issues? Let's bring those to the foot of the cross. Let's pray over those things. Let's put you on a path with Christ to help heal you of those things. And if you're solid with Jesus, you're like, I'm in. I love Jesus. Never doubt it. Don't care. I'm with him. I'm not afraid. Let's go. Then Jesus said, okay, all right, if that's really what you think, then let's go. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to do. When we come to him, he sends us out then to others. How is God sending you out today? What is he calling you to do for him? How is he asking you to reach out to someone else? What story, what an incredible story. Yours would be to share with everyone else here. Can I just tell you how encouraging it would be to hear how God is speaking to you today? How he is telling you to go and do this thing in this world, to reach this person in this world? 
to take this new job, to do whatever it is God is calling you to do. How incredible it would be to share with your family here at Berea and across the world online. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid to share those things because here's what's really cool. When you share those things, then God allows us to come right alongside you and encourage you and support you and help you in your calling. And you just never know, he might even bring us right alongside to join you because we're not in this alone. What a joy it would be to share that with everyone else. Now, I can't tell you. I do it all the time. I know. It, it, it becomes redundant. It is so incredibly awesome to get to share the Word of God with all of you each and every week. It'll be incredible to get to teach on a Wednesday night for a little run there. It's incredible to have lunch with you, to hear your lives, your, what's happening in your world. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. But this series in particular, it's been such a joy to express the words, and this time, the question of Jesus to you, to help us grow in our faith. And my prayer in ending this is this, that from now on, when you read the text of Scripture and you see the words of Jesus and he's talking along, teaching, whatever, and he asks a question, I pray that when you see that question mark, you stop and you read the context and you're like, hmm, is he asking me? What would I say? How would I respond to that question? that he's asking. Father God, as we close this part of the service, we always, always want to leave this door so wide open for people to come to the foot of the cross, people to come to accept you for the very first time. Father, we know that's part of your plan today, and we're excited to rejoice with you, but there may be others that for the first time feel the love of Jesus reaching out to them and him asking, do you love me? And all they feel on the inside is, yes, I do. We, we beg the Spirit to move them to a place where they come and make that confession before their brothers and sisters in Christ and accept you fully into their lives today. Father, if there's those that are watching today or joining us in person here that are struggling in life with, with the fear that exists in this world, and they know as a believer that it's not right, that they shouldn't be afraid of these things because your perfect love casts out all fear, yet they still struggle. They feel guilty because of those things. I, I pray that you can come and remove that guilt from them, that you can free them from that pain, that fear that exists in this world so they can be your light as they should be in this world. Father, if there's somebody in this room that you have revealed a specific calling to them, Father, they need restoration today like Peter needed at the end of the book of John. Father, they, they need that push, that calling. They, they know what you've been telling them to do, maybe for months, maybe for years. And they feel that call upon their life, and it's just, they just haven't answered it. I pray today is the day they pick up the phone and move whatever obstacle is in the way. Father, allow you to just slide that out of the way so they can come before you and rejoice and begin that pursuit that you've prepared for them. Father, we love you. We thank you for being with us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys would, go ahead and get your communion cups ready. We're going to have Don come up here and... Um